Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. The Christian life is a journey. It's a journey of mountaintops and of valleys, of great joys, but also great sorrows. But all those sorrows are worth it because you can grow closer to God through them, and actually you can invite others to to know Jesus and to grow as well, grow close to them, because Jesus is on the mountaintop and he's in the valley. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is in all and through all. One of the greatest journeys of all time was completed by the Apostle Paul. You see, Paul was born Saul, this Jewish man who was zealous for the law of God. He loved it so much, he wanted, he wanted to abide by every single letter of the law. But he took it to the point of persecuting those who didn't see it the same way he did. In fact, he would just go after this one group. They were simply known as the way, but today we know them as Christians. And he sought to kill them and destroy them. And in this movement that had begun, because he said, that's a threat. That is a threat to the law that Moses handed down from God. And we must defend that law at all costs. And so he killed them. And he got as many people as possible to do the same thing. And on the road one day as he was continuing to persecute, as he was continuing to kill, Jesus Christ came down, came down before him as the brightest, most beautiful light he had ever seen before. And he called out to him, he said, Saul, why Are you persecuting me? Why are you coming after me? Why are you hurting my children? What have I done to you? And in that moment, the light turned on for Saul. And he could suddenly see everything clearly. He saw that he had it all wrong. His perspective was all wrong. It was never about the letter of the law. It was about the heart of the law. The law was always meant to point back to God. It was always meant to point back to this relationship with God, this covenant that God started with us. And now Jesus is standing before him and the law is pointing to Jesus because Jesus could do things that the law could never, ever do. And he was coming to offer that to Saul. And he looked at him and he said, yeah, Saul, you're, you, you know now, don't you? You know things are never going to be the same. You know your life has been changed. Here's the thing. You're going to go and tell the world about me. You're going to tell the world about this experience that you had, and you're going to suffer for my name. But I'm going to be with you through the mountaintops and in the valleys. And sure enough, Saul, who became Paul, left that place, and he began this journey with Jesus, working and telling the world, planning churches, telling his story, connecting his story to Jesus's story 
so that they might do the same. And yeah, there were some valleys, but he wasn't upset about that. He counted those sorrows as actually really great joys to be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus so that others might experience this hope that he had grabbed. And so one day he was sitting down with this family and it was this family of prophets. And it was told by one of them, hey, uh, Paul, listen, man, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be put in, in chains. You're going to be imprisoned because you're a Christian, because of your faith, and because we know you can't shut your mouth about telling people about Jesus. You're going to end up in prison. And he said, yeah, what's your point? <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to, to do that. Don't take that glory. That, don't take that joy away from me. Because here's the thing. That death that they can give me, by the way, I've been on their side. I know what happens. I know what can happen to me. That death that they can give me is nothing compared to the life that Christ has to offer them. And I will go and I will do it. And I will speak boldly. I don't care what they do to me. It's worth it. And so Paul went. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't trying to pick a fight, but he just wasn't afraid of it. And sure enough, they persecuted him. They sought to kill him now. And they brought him before the high officials, and the officials looked, and they thought, man, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. I can't find any guilt within him, but I can't, I can't really go up against this mob that's trying to kill him, and, and so we're just going to back away. And so they left Paul in prison. And he was there for two years before a new official would hear his story again. And after two years, the people actually still wanted to kill Paul. Why? Because he never stopped telling people about Jesus. In fact, now he had a captive audience, literally. <laughs> so whether it was through conversations or sermons or letters, Paul kept at it. He kept telling people, listen, many of you have been hearing about this Messiah, this Savior, this hope of the world that's to come down, and he has come down. He has come down as Jesus Christ. He's changed my life. Some of you knew who I was. If I come to you as a changed man, you knew this is the real deal. And some called Paul crazy. Some wrestled wrestled a lot with it. But others, others said, yeah, actually, I want, I want that. I want that. But, and why? Why would they say that? Because Paul was coming to them as a gentle man, as a loving man, as someone who had nothing to gain by them knowing Jesus. Because this guy, he wasn't trying to trick them. For goodness sakes, he never tried to get out of prison. He was serious. And so people responded. In fact, this engaging, crazy story um, just made waves all around. And there was a king who actually came and said, I got to hear this guy for myself. And he came before Paul. And Paul told him a story. He told him what Jesus had done for him and what Jesus would offer to this king. And the king just sat there baffled. How in the world could a murderer ever become the poster child of this movement? How could this be? 
He just under, didn't understand. He said, Paul, are you trying to make me a Christian? Is this happening right now? And Paul said, yeah, you and everybody else. I will never stop telling people about this great hope that I found in Jesus. So yeah, I want you to become a Christian. And so Paul continued. He continued being imprisoned, beaten, survived stonings, survived a shipwreck and being snake bitten, all those things. And he found it a great joy because he knew he had something valuable to hand off. And when he couldn't actually travel to see people, he wrote letters to them. Long, long letters that honestly no one in the culture wrote. But he found that it was worth it. It was worth handing off to others. And a couple of those letters were to his disciple, Timothy. And I think they're worth taking a look at. The second letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in all of my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed about the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us, and he's called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Church, will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the story of Paul and how he followed you faithfully. And we thank you for Timothy, who he mentored, and that you knew exactly what Timothy needed to hear from his mentor. As we come here today, we know that you know our stories. You know what we need to hear from you today, and we just pray that we would be able to receive it in this space. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, can we give it up? That was our director of student ministries, Eric Stewart. It's incredible. And my name is Danny Franson. If you haven't met me, I'm the assistant director of student and preteen ministries. So say that five times fast. You can't, it's fat. No. It's a long, fancy way of saying that we actually get to work with the kids and the teenagers at this church and teach them about God. So it is the greatest honor and the best thing ever.
Um, And this week, our lead and our associate pastors decided to hand off, get it, hand off, the series we're in. Yeah, hand off the preaching to the student ministry team. So you can decide at the end of all this if that was like a really clever, awesome idea or like a crazy idea. Um, but if you do decide it's a crazy idea, do me a favor and just like don't tell Dale that. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm so excited to be um, stepping into this handoff series. We've been talking about handing off our faith. Um, so we've been doing this series verse, and that's First uh, Peter 3.15. So if you want to pull out your notes in your Connect folder, we'll read it together. And as you're pulling that out, you might notice it looks a little different. That's actually the format that we use every Wednesday night in our student ministry. Our notes look like that. So you're just getting a little uh, taste of what that looks like this weekend. So read with me First Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Okay. And the first week of this series, if you were with us, um, we made these tags, which you can see there and there. And on these tags, if you're wondering, on, on one side we wrote, the person that has handed off their faith to us. The person who taught us about God. And then on the other side, we wrote someone who we know that needs the hope of Jesus. Someone that we would want to hand off our faith to. And these tags are this visual reminder that like we are an important piece of what God is doing in the world. So through this series, it's been really challenging me and getting me to think about um, when I've shared my story, when I've handed off my faith, And I thought of one time when I was in first grade. So do we have any first graders in the house? Get a woo-woo. Yeah, I'm seeing some. Awesome. Welcome, elementary schoolers. We're glad you're here. Um, But if you don't know my story, I grew up in the church. er, I grew up in the church. So my parents raised me every week coming to church. And I was like that little kid in the front row bouncing uncontrollably during worship because I was like, Jesus is just this awesome. That was me for real. And then, and then every night, I'm still that girl. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, every night, every night my dad used to tuck me in and he used to pray for me. And I remember that like on the days where I felt like my little world was falling apart on the hard days, that made me feel safe. And it reminded me that everything was going to be okay. I actually wrote my dad's name on the card that first week and forgot to hand in my card so that worked out. I could take a picture of it, um, but it says Papa. And so I grew up with this feeling that the message of Jesus was so beautiful. And it was something that I wanted everyone to know. So when I was in first grade and I met this girl named Lauren who didn't know Jesus, that broke my heart. And I wanted to share my faith with her, but like I wasn't sure how, so I devised a plan. Okay, so ready to hear my plan? Okay, so we, there was a pool party, and her dad was going to drive me home. And so I was like, this is perfect. It'll be just us in the car. She'll be trapped. I can tell her everything. <laughs> this is how I think. Um, and then I had my, my script ready. So I had this line I was going to say, there was a man 
That was, that was my opening line. I'm no, not even kidding, guys. There was a man. His name was Jesus. Yeah. I was feeling pretty good. I was rehearsing the line. But then all of the what ifs came in. Like, what if she asked me a question and I couldn't answer it? Like, I'm just a first grader. I don't have a theology degree yet. Or what if her dad heard that I was talking about religion and he got mad? That really scared me. Or what if this just made our friendship awkward and then she didn't want to talk to me anymore? And I left the car that day without um, saying my line or sharing my faith. And I remember feeling so discouraged. But I don't think I'm alone in having roadblocks to sharing my faith. I think a lot of us experience this, and, and many of them just boil down to fear. To those what ifs, like what if they ask a question and I don't know the answer? What if something I've done in my past, they know about it and they don't think I'm good enough to be a Christian? What if I get in trouble at school or at work for sharing my faith? But the comforting thing that we find in this letter from Paul to Timothy is that Timothy understands fear. That verse said, God has not given us a spirit that makes us timid. And another version will literally say, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So Paul is getting this idea that Timothy might have some fear. And as we step back and think about Timothy's story, it makes sense. So let's do that. Let's think about it. Timothy, he is a young pastor whose mom taught him about faith. So his mom taught him, her mom taught her. So here we have this whole family, generations and generations of people worshiping God together. Like if Timothy was here, he would have written mom and grandma on his card. And like parents and grandparents in here, I want you to hear that. I want you to hear how much influence you can have when you hand off your faith. And I also think that's kind of what we're doing on All In Weekend, right? Like every generation, we got our, our kids, parents, grandparents, we're all in here worshiping together, Just so cool to me. But as we think about Timothy's story, we have to notice there's no dad mentioned. There is no dad that has handed off his faith or even been a, a role model in the faith. So here's this kid with no father figure, no dad to pass on his faith, and the apostle Paul steps in and says, hey, I will be your spiritual father. And I love that, like, for free side note, isn't that cool? That is the kingdom of God, that we don't have to be related to each other. We can just stand up and say, hey, we're part of one family I am going to pour into you and mentor you and be there for you, even if we're not related. I love that. So if you're in here and you're like, I don't have kids, or maybe your kids are grown, or maybe you have some kids, but you have time for more. 
see me in the lobby. I'll have a volunteer application for you. <laughs> Shameless plug. Sorry, I had to go there. Um, but seriously, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what Paul did. He stood up and he said, I'll be your spiritual father. And so here, Timothy is receiving this letter from his father figure, from the one who has believed in him and prayed for him and commissioned him into ministry. And Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, I'm going to die. These are my last words to you. Later in the letter, he says, I fought the fight. I finished the race and I'm about to die for my faith. And not only that, but he also says, oh, and you're going to suffer for your faith. Thanks, Paul. Cool. Okay, so, so Timothy actually has some legitimate reasons to fear. You could ask the question, what if I lose my mentor for faith? Okay, you're going to. What if I suffer for my faith? He's probably going to. But then he also might be asking, what if I can't explain my faith as clearly and eloquently as the great Apostle Paul? Like I'm in his footsteps. Or he might be asking a question I asked, what if my story is too boring? Like I was raised in the faith. I don't have this crazy, cool, redemptive story. What if it's not powerful enough to share? Timothy has reasons to fear. He understands fear. But if we think about it, Paul has reason to fear too, right? Like we heard his story. We heard he'd been in prison and shipwrecked and snake bitten. He could seriously ask, how much will I have to suffer for this? And then if we think about his story, I mean, he literally murdered Christians. At some point there, he had to ask, wait a second, am I good enough to do this? I like... I'm not, wait, what? How can I share my faith if I murdered Christians? So Paul has reasons to fear too. But the difference between Paul and Timothy is that Paul has gotten to that place where he's ready to push back his fear and say, do not be ashamed of the gospel. God has not given you a spirit of fear. And I think it's because, I mean, think about it. He's at the end of his life. He has realized that he's a part of this story that's so much bigger than him. So the what ifs just aren't a big deal to him anymore. He's ready to go all in for this thing. So here's the main point that I want you to hear. If you hear nothing else, get this. Let God own your whole story. God own your whole story. That's my main point. You can write it down in your, your little notes if you didn't. Notice, like God on your whole story. So what does that look like? First, it looks like letting God own our past. So I get it. We are in here today and we all come in with different stories and different pasts. And maybe some of us, we can relate to Timothy. We've been raised in the faith. Or maybe some of us, we can relate to Paul. It took us a little bit longer and a few mistakes to get here. But we're all here. Like someone cared enough to bring us here. We wrote someone's name on the front of that card. And some of you might be in here and you might still be navigating if you want a relationship with Jesus. Like this whole suffering thing, you're not so sure. No. Like I just want to say that you're welcome here. 
We're glad you're here. We actually built this church for people like you who are asking questions and wondering, and, and we want to do that authentically with you here. So thank you for being here. Um, but for those of you who are here and you have made that decision, you have said, okay, I'm in, I'm doing this. Um, think about this with me. We serve a God who took a murderer of Christians and made him a missionary. We serve a God who took a kid with an absent father and gave him a family of faith. We serve a God who destroyed death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. We serve that God and he can take whatever brokenness is in your past and use it for his glory. You see, I think sometimes we have this tendency of wanting to hide and bury the hard parts of our story, the parts we think that no one wants to see. But Jesus restores our past. Look at verse 9 with me. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his purpose and grace. All right. So Paul is telling Timothy, hey, the question isn't if we're good enough. We are good enough. I'll tell you that right now. We aren't. Paul isn't good enough. Timothy's not good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. We can breathe. <laughs> isn't that a comforting thought? We don't have to try to be good enough. Instead, God says that he has called us to a holy life because of his purpose, because of his purpose, because of his grace. It's bigger than us. So I want to encourage you to let God own your past. One of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to work with the preteens here at Community of Hope. Bridge kids, are you out there? Give me a woo-woo. I know you are. <laughs> that wasn't very loud. Okay. They're out there. I see them all. They're just being quiet. Um, it's so much fun uh, with the Bridge Classroom. And one of the things that we do is we partner with this Kairos prison ministry. And these men, this ministry goes into prisons and they run retreats for men in prison. And uh, they, they won't let us into the retreats. We're too young. But, um, but what we do is we decorate placemats and posters for the men in prison. And, and we give them to them. And it's this, this thing of hope that shows them that someone cares. And so this is actually a picture of us decorating posters last week. Um, and just we're decorating them. And so one of these weeks that we did this, uh, we're all like writing verses and everything. And one girl just starts to write out her story. Like we're like, oh, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just writing out my story. She writes down how her dad had made some bad decisions. How he had left them, and she hadn't seen him in three years. But then she says, hey, I love my dad, and I am praying for my dad. And then she tells these men in prison, she says, I'm going to start praying for you too. God, he is with you, and he forgives you. So they took that to a Kairos week and they ended up reading it to all of the men. And the men stood up and they applauded that. 
Because that's the God we serve, guys. A God who can take no matter what brokenness is in the past, he can take it and he can forgive that and restore that. And he can take a 10-year-old girl and he can free her from the power of unforgiveness, first of all. But then he can use her story to encourage an entire room of prisoners. That is the God we serve. And it was just because she didn't do anything. She just said, God, here's my story. Here's my past. Use it however you want. Let God own your past. My next thought for you is to let God own your future. So I get it. There's like a hundred unknowns when it comes to sharing our faith, especially in our culture. Like it's getting more and more hostile. It used to be a normal thing to be a Christian. Now, not so much. So when you decide to follow Jesus, that probably might mean sacrifice. Like, I wish I could say, I wish I could say, guys, if you share your faith, nothing bad is ever going to happen. I promise. I wish I could say that. But that's not what Paul tells Timothy, is it? He literally says, verse 8, join with me in suffering for the gospel. And actually, 14 times in this letter, he says some form of endure suffering. So yeah, it might mean sacrifice. Nowadays, it might mean sacrificing the opinions of others. It might mean sacrificing your time or your money. It might mean sacrificing your comfort or your pleasure. God might call you to do something that makes you uncomfortable or scares you. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. Paul was able to look back on his life, everything that he had been through, and say only Jesus was worth it. He was able to say, hey, I wouldn't do anything differently. This is the best life I could have lived. One of my heroes is a woman named Corey Tenboom. So some of you might have heard her story. I think part of why I like her is she's like, was single her whole life. I'm like, yeah, single women, girl power. Um, but she was a Jew, or she was not a Jew. She was saving Jews um, in World War II, and she was hiding them from the Nazis. And so in her story, The Hiding Place, she writes all about it. It's an incredible testimony of what God can do. And one of the stories I was looking back on this week, um, there was a baby Jew who they were trying to find a safe home for. They lived in the city, and they are worried that it might be too loud. So they asked this pastor who lived in the country to take in the baby. And this is what she says. She says, the man bent forward. And for a moment, I saw compassion and fear struggle in his face. Then he straightened. No, definitely not. We could lose our lives for that Jewish child. Unseen by either of us, father had appeared in the doorway. Give the child to me, Corey, he said. Father held the baby close, his white beard brushing its cheek, looking into the little face with eyes as blue and innocent as the baby's own. 
At last, he looked up at the pastor. You say we could lose our lives for this child. I would consider that the greatest honor that could come to my family. You see, Corey's father, he got it. He understood that following Jesus would cost him, but that it would be worth whatever it cost him. In verse 10, it said that Jesus has defeated death. He realized, hey, what's the worst that could happen? We could die? Well, we were going to die anyways. But Jesus defeated death. Right? We could suffer. But who is worth suffering for? So I encourage you, church. Let God own your future no matter what uncertainties might lie ahead. So, look out on your past, look out on your future. What about the present? I skipped that. Don't worry, I got this. Plan this. As for the present, just say, join me. I love verse eight. It says, do not be ashamed of testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm a part of a bigger story. Just join with me, right? We, we might not have all the answers, but join with me. We may not be perfect, but join with me. We'll figure it out together, Join with me because we have a God who joined us. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You see, guys, Jesus came down. He joined our tears and our pain and our joy and our laughter. He joined in our punishment, ultimately, And he's just calling us to join with him in this story that he's writing that's bigger than any of us. So I encourage you. It's a story worth joining. And it's a story worth handing off. Ben's going to lead us in one more song. And I want to encourage you, whatever part of your story that you haven't given over, ask God what that is. Maybe it's your past. Maybe this week God would have you share your testimony with someone. Maybe it's your future. You need to just take a moment and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen. But I trust you, whatever happens. Maybe it's your present. Maybe there's someone around you that you need to just say, hey, I don't have it figured out, but join with me. Let's do this together. So I encourage you, we're going to have prayer teams at the side. If you want to come down at the front and kneel, just take some space to be with your God right now. So as you leave, we have some discussion questions on the back. 
If we were in student ministry, I'd be saying go to your small groups and go discuss those. Um, but I want to tell you, grab your family, grab your small group or some friends and discuss these themes. Keep thinking of how God would have you live them out. I'm going to pray for us as we leave. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for everything that you've done for us. I thank you that you're a God who's restored our past. And you're a God who is worthy to trust with our future, that you could do far more with our future than we could have ever thought. And so I pray that as we go out from here, we would be people who would just trust you with our whole story, that we'd be people who would be fully abandoned to your will because we know that you're worthy of it. Love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So go in his peace. We'll see you next week.